Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Brought to you by the Where to Hunt podcast. It's Tactical Talk with real hunters getting it done across the nation. So I got Zach Farenbaugh here with the hunting public to talk about early season strategy and our tactic talk, uh, tactical talk of the day today. Zach, thanks for doing this with me. Uh, yeah. Let's just get into it, man. How are you uh, having success early season bow hunting? Well, when you first brought it up, first thing that came to my mind was like, and, and something that's kind of off the wall, maybe make people think about something a little bit different than what they typically hear is um, just bumping bucks kind of on purpose. I wouldn't say... N- n- <clears throat> And maybe I would say that it is on purpose, but you're essentially doing the bump and dump tactic. And I kind of fell into learning how to do it in my own way. Um, I'd heard about it, but I kind of fell into it on accident. There's a couple specific hunts that stick out to me from Nebraska. Nebraska's got an early opener, but both the buck, so September 1st, both the bucks that I have shot in Nebraska with a bow have been bumped prior to me going in to that area and shooting them and essentially shooting them right where I bumped them. Um, one of them literally in the exact bed that I bumped him from. Um, so 2017 was the first year that I went out there and I was out there with Jake and Brody. Um, Brody was, Brody's originally from Nebraska, so he had a tag. I was planning on going back and hunting a lot later in the season. And I had a tag and was just planning on hunting there for a week or so. So we were diving into all these spots, covering a bunch of ground, hunting all over the place. And we were, we were figuring things out, but we ended up kind of going into this spot in the middle of the day, just covering covering trying to cover more ground trying to learn more area we just dove into the spot that we kept driving past it seemed like a spot that might get overlooked had perfect habitat diversity so like could see from the road that there was cattails there was some cottonwood trees so bigger trees and, and otherwise op- very very open habitat and there was all kinds of different brushy stuff i don't even know the names of half of it but m- max diversity for the area but right off the road, but we'd also not seen anybody parked there the whole time we'd been there, and this is at day five or so, maybe day four. So we go in, and um, the whole idea is to do a wind bump just to see what we can come up, get to come out of there. Um, Brody had a tag, and he set up on the downwind side of the bedding area with Jake, and I went to the upwind side of the bedding area and zigzagged back and forth through that bedding area, letting my scent blow through it. And the whole goal with that is just to lightly bump deer 
you know, they smell you. They escape the bedding area. They get up casually and just kind of, you yeah, know, slink well, through there rather than busting out like their life is in complete danger. Yeah, like if you're shooting at them with guns and stuff or just shooting guns or banging pots and pans, you know, deer are going to scoot out of there pretty quick. But in this situation, the whole goal is to get them to calmly escape the bedding area and present you a pretty decent shot. So ended up uh, going through there, and as soon as I get in the middle of it, I'm like, man, this is where the bucks are. Like, there's buck sign in here, fresh rubs. The deer, you know, early in the season like that, the deer haven't shed their velvet for very long. So when I'm seeing a rub on September 18th or whatever it was, like, I know that that's fresh. I know that's within two weeks. So I go. Well, the other thing you mentioned, you know, we, we took another stab at the recording with all the sirens, but you had mentioned just a moment ago um, that, you know, when it's early season, you're one of the few people out there bumping these deer. Um, oh, yeah. Right. And yeah. so they, you know, you'd mentioned like food sources are critical. A lot of people talk about that. That's great. Mm-hmm. But their bedding habits haven't changed either. Um, so maybe just start there yeah. again a little bit and then kind of go back to where you're headed. Yeah, sure. So, you know, early, early on and, and well, if you're a lot of hunting media right now, in the last for as long as I've been alive and paying attention to it like when you read about early season it's just like kind of the same old story it's just like early season the deer are gonna be on the green beans or if you find a bean field with you know the tops that are still green like that's where the deer are gonna be feeding and I mean no kidding to a certain degree right like we can all observe that from a distance um and if and if in your situation that's what the bucks are doing don't overthink it by any means but like in a lot of situations you know we don't have that as hunters whether it be simply the property just doesn't have uh you know an alfalfa field on it or you know the beans are never green at that time of the year whatever it is i mean there's a number of reasons but um you know at least in my situation that was just never a thing but what is a thing is a deer are bedding somewhere on public land, and there's going to be a mature buck bedded on public land, especially on the first day of season. You know, when they're on food sources like that and they're on a pattern, they have to be on somewhat of a bedding pattern too. And just because, um, you know, just because they're feeding doesn't mean they're just bedding willy-nilly. Uh, you know, if you've got a deer that's consistently feeding in, a, in some green food source, like whether it's in daylight or at dark, like he's probably betting somewhere that he can get to that pretty easily. Right. And I think that that pattern gets super locked in just like the more visible feeding pattern gets locked in as they bed very habitually. So I think in these situations, early season, if you find where a buck is betting or a bachelor group, better yet a bachelor group, and you can kind of nudge them. And that's how you find out they're there. I mean, let's be honest. If you're walking to you know, uh, the timber in Wisconsin or Minnesota in mid-September, same time I'm talking about, like, you can't see anything. Like, you're probably not just going to spot a bedded buck. But if you kick one up or you kick the mature buck's buddy up and you lightly bump him, I'm not saying crashing through the woods again. I'm, I'm saying very strategically sneak through the woods trying to lightly bump these deer, get a visual on them. Then you know they're there. So that's kind of what happened in this situation. I'm going through this bedding area in Nebraska, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, there's a re-, like, and and one other side note is we figured there was a couple places on the private land, 
close to this public where these deer were traveling a decent ways, probably in the dark, to get to these food sources. So as soon as we hit this bedding area and I'm going through it and I'm seeing all this buck sign that's fresh, big beds, scra- actually saw some scrapes. Um, just like the perfect little spot. I'm just like starting to get real, you know, getting that feeling of like I'm probably going to bump a big buck. And sure enough, I get to the back corner of the bedding area and I watch a buck run over this, the hills like way out past me. I mean, I watch him go way up and over and he never really even looked back. He just kept running. I mean, he ran, I mean, he ran a mile for two miles maybe without, without ever looking back. And, um, that, well, dang it, you know, <laughs> no shot at that one. He didn't go past Brody, you know, but I figured, well, heck, I've spooked everything out of here. I've left my scent everywhere. I'm just going to scout every inch of it and pick a spot. So I picked a couple spots in there based off different winds. And I went and I met back up with those guys. And uh, long story short, just went back in there in the next two mornings, saw all the same deer that I jumped except for the buck until it was the second morning that we were in there. So it was like, I want to say, uh, it was a couple days after we spooked the buck. Sure enough, same exact buck. I mean, I, looking back, I know it's the same one. The same shape of the rack. He came in there real early in the morning. It was just getting daylight. Heard him come in and heard him lay down. And at about 8 o'clock, he got up, shifted within that bedding area. It, like, coincided perfectly with a little wind shift. He got up to switch his beds, and he walked 10 yards past us, and we got a, wow. got a shot at him. So, so the whole virgin sit thing wasn't really applicable there. You bumped him. A day in advance, he came back. Bumped it, so we bumped him a day, <laughs> gave it a day, hunted it the next day, saw. So on, so that was day three of the whole ordeal. Day one being the day that I whim bumped it. Day two was a break. Day three was the first hunt. Day three, we saw several deer and a smaller buck in there. And the smaller buck, I'd have shot him, but he he was bedded like right under where we were trying to get to in the stand and ended up just not ever getting real good. I could actually hear him coughing in his bed. Side note, but I could hear him coughing in his bed, and that's how we knew he was there, but I could never see him until I actually started to climb the tree that we had, the set that we had hung that morning. You were that close, and he still didn't get up when you were making all that racket. Oh, man, he's like three yards away. But I'll never be able to do that without going into too much detail. I'll never be able to do justice to how wild that was. Brody and I crawled right on top of a buck. I mean, literally crawled within three yards of the thing and he never moved he didn't know we were there he never knew we were there until we got to the stand and he smelled a, a crosswind the last like yard to the stand put us just enough to where he could smell us and that made him uncomfortable but without diving too much into that like you know there was other deer in there and i'm sure i'll, I'll be i'll be honest i think that that buck was in that bedding area that day we just didn't see him mm-hmm. and then the following morning he was in there again and got a really easy shot. So at the him. day so, of rest was pretty good. Early season, a lot less hunting pressure, a lot less hunters. Um, you know, the, the whole concept of making that mistake and realizing it's not necessarily a mistake and using that to your advantage is pretty cool. I mean, effectively that bed worked for the buck. So why wouldn't he come back? Exactly. If there was no exactly. imminent danger. You know, he's like, okay, this is okay. This bed did its job for me. I winded something. So it's safe now. The wind, you know, the, the scent is gone. I'm going to return. 
everything's mm-hmm. quiet. You weren't banging pots and shooting guns like you'd said. So that's interesting. That's a really um, great tactic for early season, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I actually did it the, the very next year. Same thing. Bumped a bit. I mean, it was a bigger buck. It was an even more mature buck. Bumped him with the vehicle. This piece had a, a long, it was a long, long road that went like through public land. And we were like, well, instead of walking at all, we'll just drive through this piece. Like we'll be able to, we'll be able to scout from the road essentially. As we're driving, we see a small buck. He spooks. Saw a doe. She spooked. And we're like, well, let's just come right back in here and hunt like tonight. Like let's get right back in this bedding area tonight. As we drive and turn the truck around, big old boy jumps out of the bedding area. Ended up going in there that night. The smaller of the two bucks, I almost the first one that we saw, I almost shot because he was he came right back in. Literally watched him go right back into that bedding area. And that was the same night we spooked him. So that exact day he looped right back in there. Almost got him. And then two days later, we gave it a gave it a rest. I was hunting a different area as well. I was on a different a different buck kind of doing kind of again doing the same thing i mean i could go into all kinds of detail about this but like kind of nudging them around and uh gave it a break went back into there actually ended up crawling this is one of my favorite hunts ever ended up crawling up to the to the spot where we turned the truck around and was laying in the sand the glass in that bedding area and eventually caught his tines and i kid you not he was laying in if he wasn't in the same bed, he was in the same like 20 yard little circle Wow! and just caught him laying there. And I ended up stalking into 19 yards and shooting him as soon as he stood up. So had I not spooked either one of those bucks though, I would have never known they were there. So, so it's really a, a confirmation. Like you think the spot's good, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. You're not using trail cams. It sounds like for these two hunts Mm-mm. that were referenced at least. And it's a good way to confirm what's really going on there. Give you some affirmation yep. to what you think is going on. And then, make your move from there. And if it's early season, I think you have some of that grace because it hasn't been so pressured. They, they haven't figured that out yet. For sure. And I think, I mean, I do a lot of spooking deer throughout the season and I, I'll be the first person to tell you that it isn't ever as big of a deal as you think it is. I mean, everybody, if you think it's a big deal, then people that think that it's a big deal to me, just obviously haven't ever pursued them past the spook, in my opinion. Like, they don't leave the county as much as people think they do. I'm not saying they don't move, you know, a quarter mile or something and shift to the next bedding area, but, like, if the habitat's good enough, at least. I mean, there's some places where maybe the habitat's broken enough that, you know, he may move a little bit further. And I'm sure some situations are true, but, like, if you bump one any time of the year, he usually isn't leaving. It's just a matter of finding where he wants to go if he does leave. But early in the season, when they are on a like heavy pattern of feeding, because in the late summer and you know before they're getting ready for rut, right? They're just getting ready. They're just getting ready to do their whole rutting thing. They're putting on weight. They're feeding heavily, so they're on a pretty consistent pattern. 